Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Josh Brown, why is Wanted Dead the worst game of the year? Man, I had a pretty bad <laughs> weekend, Scott, but what got me through it uh-huh. was knowing on Monday morning right now, <laughs> I'd be able to talk to you about Wanted Dead, which is not the worst He's game of the year. He's living for it. It's the weirdest game of the year, yeah. and I need to talk to you about it so much, but I know we've got to do a podcast opening to get through Some first. sort of opening. I <laughs> um, should say this is the wind-up. I'm Scott Telford. That's Josh Brown. Hello, Scott Telford. Hello, where we kick off the week with whatever's going on in the industry, which is to say very little other than everyone's playing Baldur's Gate 3. So we did a little video on how, you know, the fact that that game is taken off so much kind of proves to the wider money men in the industry that maybe if you just make some video games, people will buy them. Why is it coming out the same day as uh, Starfield, man? You need Starfield. Me, I want to play both, <laughs> and I haven't got all the time in the world. No, I also haven't got the time. I don't know how that. I never really thought about this that much until right now. How are we going to do that? How is anyone? <laughs> how is anyone going to do that? Do you play well, one of them at midnight? I've already figured it out. Okay, you're going to bounce off and hate Starfield yeah, and yeah, go yeah. on to. Baldur's Gate 3 yeah. instead. I mean, I'm going to try and do... I guess they're both going to be available at midnight. I actually can't pick between the two of them. I want to see the intros of both equally. And I guess I'll do... I don't know what I'm going to do first. I might do Baldur's Gate first. Well, honestly, right. Go this is, wasn't how I envisioned starting this podcast. <laughs> but um, after we talked about the Oblivion... Potential sure. of an Oblivion remake yes. last week. And you said that, you know, the only real game you've been blown away by, by Bethesda... Uh, is Skyrim. The last time I was with Skyrim, yeah. When, when was the it last time It might even just be overall, that? yeah. That's what I was thinking. That's what I was trying to drill down on now because you didn't really like Oblivion. You well, said you weren't a huge fan of Morrowind. And no. I don't know if you like Fallout 3. So. Fallout, when I first got Fallout 3, I would say I was blown away by that. Cool. I, I, I love my first few hours with that game. The only thing, I was gutted by Fallout 3 because it got I got into a save loop with it where I was just stuck coming out of, I don't know how many hours in that I was. Mm. I finished Fallout 3, but um, the first time I played through it back in, whatever, 2006, 8, whatever eight, it was, yeah. um, going through very, Various parts of the um, the dilapidated cities and stuff. I don't I don't know the names of the specific cities, but I came out of a set of doors and it auto saved and there was a super mutant right there ah. and he would one shot me and then I would reload and get killed over and over again and I was like oh I can't I can't get out of this <laughs> I'm not going to restart the game again so I just I quit at that point but I since went back to it and got through it but I yeah Fallout Three and Skyrim might be the only two that I genuinely love. Fair enough, two good games, mm. but yeah that's that's what I mean. It just kind of got me thinking because if you don't you weren't a huge fan of Fallout Four. I know they've only made nope. Fallout seventy six since then, mm-hmm. but yeah like it's kind of 
what I are, maybe what I have with Arcane, where I really love uh, like one or two of their games and everything else. I'm kind of like, I wish you were, I wish it was up there with yeah. the ones that I loved. But you know. my thing with them, um, the thing is with Bethesda, like having obviously covered them for like ten years now, like professionally more than that. If I go outside of what culture stuff, you write about, we write about them so much, and I do love the whole garage band approach. Like I love the idea of a team of coders in a room figuring stuff out, and then whatever they get from that. I think that's why Baldur's Gate's taken off so much because it's got so much passion and um, genuine talent invested into it it was just that when the execution of that is so messy like fallout 76 um or you know whatever different bethesda things um it just betrays that ethos to a point where it's right. like it should be charming and the charm should see you through and the charm saw them through all the bugs in skyrim and stuff but um it's just one of those things where at some point enough years pass where yeah. it's like you can still do the ramshackle thing but it needs to feel genuine and i think with starfield they're reaching so much in a more like professional Direction and it's like, look at the next IP from us. It's the first one in 20 years. And obviously, they're Xbox first party by default now. So, I don't know. The expectation for me, the expectation is so low, but like, mm. I'm just because I'm it's still Bethesda. I do, I do not, I'll be amazed if it's bug free. Oh, I'll be amazed be. No, no, no. if it's Absolutely smooth. Not. Yeah. yeah. But, so, I'm not expecting much. Oh, it's crazy that because I'm expecting <laughs> so much. I'm expecting so much. I talked about this when we um, discussed like the most anticipated games of the year. And like, mm. I think we did a video on it, in fact, a little duo like something we would do that we did where yeah. I said like they can't fail you know right. i really don't think they can withstand another another blow on the level of <laughs> fallout 76 or even really fallout 4 which sold well and reviewed well mm-hmm. but you know didn't have that same impact that a fallout 3 did or a skyrim did no no not did. at all and um, so because with that in mind it's making me excited because i feel like with the year delay especially they've got to get something right microsoft needs a win they need a oh, win God. and they, they can't afford to lose i don't think i loved um phil spencer though the amount of phil spender is when we start calling him because all the acquisitions but the amount Good. of different things that he is just honest about where he was like it's not going to be an 11 out of 10 it's not going to be this giant system selling thing it's just going to be another bethesda game right and i was like okay I, that's what i thought it was and so like i think it's one of those things where I'm just psyched to see what they've what they come up with. They've never done full-on sci-fi before, and I love the version of sci-fi they're going for because yeah. it's very like interstellar or bits of the expanse, like mining communities and stuff like that. And I like the idea of like um, interstellar truck, like you know, space trucker style sci-fi um, mixed in with parts of like this ancient race thing they've got going on. And yeah. I'm like, some of that's generic, some of that's been done to death, but not by Bethesda. And no. I want to know what it feels like when they do it because they always have that unique sense of scale. That's it. You know, it just being another Bethesda game to me is exciting. We mm. talked about it on the news this morning, but Baldur's Gate 3 feels so fresh because mm. I can't remember the last time we had like a really big RPG that was allowed to be a proper RPG. Yeah, you know, we've true. had like Cyberpunk and whatnot, which, you know, definitely has that RPG DNA within it, but you could argue was compromised mm. by ambitions to be closer to something like GTA or in a, a Ubisoft sandbox mm-hmm. even. And I kind of want the industry to kind of pivot back towards... Um, catering towards people who love, you know, really deep choices in their yeah. games, the ability to customize their characters to a to a great extent where they can have an impact on the plot, they can have an impact on, you know, how their playthrough differs from someone else in a substantial way, not just a kind of, um, you know, surface level way. Yeah, I'm going to be that guy who firmly slots this into the gun of gameplay over graphics. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm that guy. 
But Baldur's Gate 3 has such nice graphics. It looks very nice, but the graphics were not remotely prioritized. Like, overall. Like, in terms of, like, they get them to a certain level, but it's the uh, the amount of different ways that you can combine spells and abilities right. and everything else. Hilariously, though, yes. the thing that got me in Baldur's Gate over the weekend was seeing everyone's custom characters and yes. thinking, those graphics look really good. It does, it does. It very much does look gorgeous, but it's not a Naughty Dog, a Rockstar, you know, one of oh, those. No, they, no. They, uh, Final Fantasy 16 or something. We've been Sack off your suicide squads. Circling around a podcast or a video or something that really dives into, like, what we actually want out of video games. Because how many times yeah. over the past few weeks have we had the discussion about whether <laughs> graphics are even important, whether stories are a fad, whether double-A games are the future of yeah. gaming in general, and we have completely opposing views on it. I'll tell you what's funny is I could do a community post for this, but as a, as a thought experiment, if you were going to delete one or the other, yeah. if you had a game that looked like absolute toss, looked like something from the 70s, but it played incredibly well, yeah. or a game that looks like a Naughty Dog game or whatever, but it's on rails and you barely interact with it. I'd say you're, uh, you're, you're dealing in absolutes like a Sith. That's I'm what a I Sith. would say. I would say both would be hell to me in a way. You know, <laughs> One of them would be ideal to me and it would be the gameplay one with the primitive <laughs> AF graphics. I just don't care about a game's looks at all. It depends. Like, I mean, we'll have to get into this on, a, yeah, on yeah. its own podcast. It depends. Like, it's <laughs> that is, I get where you're coming from, but to me, a kind of reductive statement, just, I mean, naturally, I suppose it's oh, a yeah, binary yeah. choice, isn't it? But, like, to me, that you know, lovely looking game with no gameplay. It might mm. have the best story I've ever, ever experienced in any medium. Whereas right. like the great playing game might get stale after five minutes because there's no environmental um, environment. You know what I mean? <laughs> and environmental uh, storytelling or environmental like artistry in it. So yeah. I couldn't go one way or I'd, I'd, I'd take none. I'd just quit <laughs> playing games if I had to choose, to be go honest. Go back to books and movies. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need the interactivity. Um, I think I said before, this is the wind up. I don't remember, but we should talk about various video games. Because like I said, in terms of of industry talking points. There's not that much going on, um, but there will be various games dropping across August. We also did uh, the most anticipated games, like you mentioned before, so you can go check those things out. We've both been playing Wanted Dead, though, and you pretty much finished it in, like, one sitting? Oh, man, I couldn't believe how addicted to this game that I got. Yeah, I finished it... More or less in one sitting. It was technically two, but the second was like an hour. Uh-huh. You know, it was really short. It might as well all be in one sitting. If my eyes weren't hurting as much as they were, my <laughs> head wasn't on fire, I probably would have. Yeah, this is a game that we got We got two codes mm-hmm. for from the publisher, but mm-hmm. it was during when we were playing Final Fantasy sixteen. so I kind of forgot mm-hmm. about it, and I was looking forward to this because I heard such strange things about the game. A lot of negative reviews online, <laughs> but an equal amount of people saying, yeah, it's not the best designed game in the world. In fact, many parts are outright bad, but it has a lot of charm to it. And that's where I fall down on this, right? Because genuinely I couldn't stop playing this game despite how many faults I had with it. I I can't I can't sugarcoat it. I hated this. I can't. I can't even beat the first level on it. Not because it's not a skill issue. It's just horrible to play. Oh! Like the, 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 how twitchy and oversensitive the camera is. The melee feels horrible and treacly <sighs> and oily and slow. The finishes are hardly very unreliable when it comes to actually doing something cool. Shooting feels horrible. That then you've got all the rest of it, like the script and the the look of it. I just I thought this is. Turgid, I'm not saying that this has a better <laughs> combat system than Final Fantasy 16. I'm not saying it's anywhere near as well put together as Final Fantasy 16. All I know is that the core combat loop of Wanted Dead hit my lizard brain way more than Final Fantasy 16's. Those finishes that you just mentioned there were amazing. I wish I'd seen them. I wish the game showed me. The blend of shooting and melee combat kind of worked for me. Is it like... 
as robust as it could be? Of course not. Does it have its issues? Absolutely. But I'll dive into that in a minute because I should probably explain what this game even is to people who haven't been following Wanted Dead, one of the most under-the-radar games of the entire year so yeah, far. Yeah, it's just worth saying that it did come out back in, I don't even know, like March, April or something. It's been out for a while. Yeah, really early. Um, and it's, it is by X Ninja Gaiden and uh, Dead or Alive developers. And it's sort of like it was on the radar as almost like a dead-to-right, dark-sector, throwback 360-type game, um, which is absolutely down my street. It lives outside my door in terms of how much down my alley it's going to be. Down my alley, down my street, in yeah. my vicinity. Um, so that was like the some of the backstory to it anyway. Absolutely. So it's just a mix of, like we said, you know, third-person shooting, but then um, what I think is really intense and visceral sword play melee combat I'm where you can switch between the two, you can slice guys up, and you can shoot them in the face from afar. <laughs> and the point, well, not the point, the story of the game is that you play as this elite police squad called <laughs> the Zombie Squad, right? And you play as a character who in the opening scene you're told is essentially like a war criminal and you're <laughs> you're kind of recruited into this group to kind of pay off your prison sentence. It's either prison or you join this group right. and it's it's a lot more windy than that. It is kind of Suicide Squad, but there's so much Metal Gear in there as mm. well. There's so much just kind of weirdness to the entire story, which, full disclosure, I don't understand. <laughs> I played the game to completion and every cutscene, I I could barely tell you what was no. going on. There's really no cohesion between them. But it has a charm that I think Deadly Premonition had, oh. where the cutscenes are kind of so wonky, but yep. earnestly wonky. The writing is so weird, but earnestly weird. Um, and that kind of weirdness seeps into every frame of it me to the point where every new cutscene I was I was enraptured you know I wasn't <laughs> checking my phone because I couldn't believe what was going on in front of my screen I couldn't believe that the characters were saying the things that they were saying I couldn't believe those lines were being delivered in the way that they were being delivered yeah. so outside of the combat which I genuinely did like to a point I just thought this kind of the eccentricity around the the whole story framing was um, so bizarre, but endearingly bizarre, like I said, sincerely bizarre in a right. way that a lot of corporate um, weird games just kind of feel artificial and hollow and made by, mm. you know, men in old men dudes. Men in suits. Yeah, men in suits. And, I definitely uh, back... Rooms. I back that the, in where it exists in the wider context. But if you if you reveal to me in another like twenty years that my whole life was a lie, a Truman Show lie, right now is when I would start to be suspicious. <laughs> this this is I can't. This is ludicrous. I'm so glad that you enjoyed it. I wish I did, and I very much did not. Um, it was one of those things that I was going to pick up anyway. But like like we said before, it kind of came in un underneath various other releases. Um, and then the publisher got in touch uh, about a month or so ago and just said like, Hey, would you be interested in Codes for Wanted Dead? And both of us were like, Hell yeah, because we yeah. always wanted to get around to this thing. Um, but yeah, massive polarizing in regards to just getting hands-on with it. What is really funny and made me feel really vindicated was looking at the trophy data for it, because I think only 50% of people have finished the first level. Less 40% 40, 40 of people have finished the first level. When I finished the game, it was 13% uh, of players who had finished the whole thing. Oh I think it's gosh. really funny because the first level, and you only have five levels in the game, right. and the levels are quite long. Um, On like one checkpoint for the whole thing. Not, not true, the whole thing, but one per level. We'll get to the checkpoints oh in a little God. bit. Um, but yeah, like it's funny because the first level is not the game's best at all. It no. kind of puts its worst foot forward. But at the same time, it you unlock like 20 trophies in the first level, which makes <laughs> you think like, is this game even designed? Do people like... 
Is it, is it a mockery of gaming itself? Kind of, yeah. yeah. Are these trophy pops intentionally there to give players a dose of serotonin so they continue because the gameplay itself isn't going <laughs> to convince them? I don't really know, but all I know is I got through that first level. Then suddenly it kind of opened up a little bit and the combat clicked with me. The challenge in this game is a piss take. Right. Like it's cheap. AF, the checkpoints like you were alluding to there are purposefully, you know, unfair and difficulty uh, and difficult. It expects mm-hmm. you to get through so many enemies that it throws your way with such little health that it is, you know, it's a mockery of um, good challenge in video mm-hmm. games. But because it was so perverse and because it was so <laughs> intentionally, you know, out to piss me off. I kind of liked it. I can't. I can't. Because I just thought, yeah. right, if if you're not playing fair yeah. and you're making it clear that you're not playing fair, you've thrown out all pretense of being this of being this tough but fair, you know, souls-like game right. or whatever. You just know you're taking the piss out of me right now. Then bring it on. Let's see if I can beat what you've got to throw at me. And it was infuriating at times. It was cheap <laughs> anything at times. But I can't deny that I got a thrill out of out of playing a game so audacious as this and getting to the end of See, it. See, I, do, I don't think that's intentional. I don't think it's a it's a charming sort of commentary on action games that is deliberately challenging you. I just think it that stuff just feels really undercooked. Like, oh, no, don't yeah. get me wrong. It's not saying anything with that difficulty, but it's... Right. it's I don't think it's intentional is what I'm saying. Oh, I think it is because I think it's intentional to pad the time out because mm. if you played through this game with normal checkpoints, like there would be barely any challenge and you would get through it in like three hours. The game's only like six hours long anyway. Right. So I think without that kind of artificial difficulty, they would have been looking at a game that people are getting through indefinitely. That feels saying. like a horrific design decision in that case. That's what. That's, that's why I love it though. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying this is a good design, Scott Tailford. Okay. I'm saying because it is such blatant we need to pad this game out Uh we need to piss you off we need to make it as difficult as possible without Uh putting any thought into it that audaciousness of it like made me tackle it as a broken game almost (laughs) thinking like you've intentionally broken this you've you've put the spanner in the works here right and i need to kind of prove that i can do it i need to meet you on your level which is like down here and um, I don't know. I got a, like I said, it's a, it's a perverse thrill. I'm not saying it's well designed. <laughs> I'm not saying it's intentionally designed to put me in this mindset. But yeah. because it was so abrasive, I kind of I had to meet it at its level. I would look because I'm trying to think of other games that you've like bounced off, like Crisis Core, like Final Fantasy Crisis Core. You were like, this just isn't for me. And that was like an overall design thing because it very much felt like a PSP game put on consoles, and it's yeah. very segmented in terms of its combat and everything. With this being something that you did, then go, this is worth my time on this earth to go through. I don't. What would? What wouldn't you go through? Well, well, yeah. If you have to keep in mind that I didn't like the core combat of Crisis Core, mm. like I thought it felt not great to play. Whereas we will definitely disagree on this. But the moment to moment combat of Wanted Dead, though it's <laughs> rudimentary, had enough style and had enough impact. The finishes are I, cool. I just could not get them really to work reliably. It. See, well, I managed to gel with the mechanics mm. in a way where I was putting pulling those things off reliably. So you know, I was going into a room full of enemies that I was learning to take out in the most efficient way possible. Mm. When I was chopping um, limbs off guys, you know, and you had the sort of Kill Bill-esque blood spurt that's coming out of it. You're doing almost John Wick-style finishes where you're taking yeah. a limb off, you're shooting them point blank in the head, and it's done with all of this panache, and it kind of feels good to play. It had that level of, like I said, lizard brain dopamine rushes. That's all I wanted from it. Um, that, that without, I definitely wouldn't have played through because I didn't expect the combat to be good. You know, I was mm. going in for those cutscenes and I thought the combat would be something I just had to put up with. Mm-hmm. But strangely, it got 
me into a rhythm that something like Sifu did or something like right. my favorite game of all time, Doritos Crash Course did, where <laughs> I was going through each um, checkpoint, kind mm. of like a gauntlet, I, like where I was practicing my moves almost. I knew right, the best, okay. most efficient way to take these guys out without wasting um, too much ammo, without using too many health packs, mm. which are limited. And it, I kind of like got that mentality through of, I'll have one more run at it. I'll have mm. one more run at it. I'll try this thing out. And like I said, the core components of the combat were satisfying <laughs> enough to make that worthwhile. If it wasn't fun to play, if it wasn't satisfying to see those finishes, I definitely would have put it down, but it just so happened to click with me, like I said, in a way that Final Fantasy 16 didn't. What a crazy time! <laughs> the end of the year discussions being that you enjoy your time with Wanted Dead more overall than Final Fantasy 16 yeah. is exactly what I want from our conversations, but at the same time, that is psychotic. I know it is, and I know it is, and I'm not going to even say that it's as good of a game as Final Fantasy It just 16. is not. It just is not. No. no that's true, and that's true, but... We all have our preferences in this life, and we it do. just so happens to be that Final Fantasy 16's combat model didn't satisfy the lizard brain part of me, and this one did for whatever reason because it felt punchier, it felt more impactful. It's yeah. definitely clunkier. It's nowhere near as detailed, but it just it had something, and I kind of want to. I want to want a dead too. I want to see what comes <laughs> next. The game's weird, man. I don't know. I don't even know what. Like, because I it just kind of it just arrived. Like, yeah. I find that in the modern industry, obviously, you have the indie tier stuff, you have the low budget tier stuff, or whatever. You have the big AAA stuff, and then across the last few years or this generation or whatever, you've seen a bit more of a blossoming of the mid tier, like the Hellblades, the controls, or whatever of the of the industry overall. And this thing just kind of dropped and was like, oh, it's a throwback to 360 type action games, like I mentioned before, Dead to Rights being one of the most uh, direct ones in terms of shooting and melee. And it just kind of arrived, and it was like, well, who made this? Where did it come from? Yeah. Oh, it's by X DOA and, and Ninja Gaiden devs. Um, but then it's just such a spotty, weird thing, and it's trying to trade in, like you said, Deadly Premonition-type stuff, where it's like, oh, it's so bad, it's good in regards to the cutscenes or the writing. Um, oh, it's charming underneath all this stuff. I, and I, I'm so there for that. I'd love Deadly Premonition 1, but even Sweary couldn't make Deadly Premonition 2 yeah. work to the same degree as 1. But for me, as soon as I booted up Wanted Dead, it was the, the immediate, the motion blur, the camera was so twitchy, the aiming felt horrible, the guns felt horrible, the melee felt horrible. I was just like, this is abysmal. Like, this is torture. I never got that. Like, I know, oh. I can, I know it's bad. I know there are so many design facets of the game that are just like broken like I mentioned you know with the checkpointing and the yeah. challenge and whatnot and even some of the guns where it's just like it's not working as a game should but it never got to the point where it was unenjoyable right play, where it was like completely torture like you said I think, there to honestly, go through I would have kept going if the checkpoint was right there but yeah. because you then kicked me back to the start of the whole level and it was like do it again I was like, I'm I can't I'm not doing this again that's what I'm that's what I mean and I yeah. totally see why people would tap out at that point I think the final level in particular is <laughs> is crazy with that stuff and you know I think like I said, it's only in the game to begin with to pad out the runtime because mm. if, the, if you had more generous checkpoints, there would be no challenge because the challenge is getting through these areas with without bar with barely any health, with barely any med kits that you can pick up. And without that, you know, you could just blast straight through mm. it. You can get through it in like two hours, three I hours. I think we, we've definitely talked about it before in terms of like different types of difficulty. And for me, if difficulty is just what will you put up with, yeah. I, don't, I don't even identify that. I don't even recognize that as valid. This is why. If, it, if, it, if it's just how much can we piss you off, you're not make do something, make something. Absolutely. And I agree with you. That's why I agree this isn't good game design. <laughs> it's bad game design. Right. But because it is just, we're going to piss you off. Perverse, something works for something you there. Something works. And it doesn't, 
it wouldn't work for me in any other game, but it's when something is so broken. Mm. I don't know. I can kind of play around in the garbage with it. You know what I mean? Right, right. I'd rather take that than something <laughs> I'm just not engaged with at all. You know, I'm kind of fascinated by how broken this thing is. Why yeah. have you designed it like this? The ramen minigame? The ramen minigame, which I want to get to. Yeah, so this is another <laughs> kind of thing that I was enamored by and totally taken aback by. So you have these five levels. Mm-hmm. And in between the five levels, you go to this police station where you can hang around with the rest of your squad. You can talk to NPCs and do mini games and it the way it reveals these mini games to you is initially you have a conversation between your character and another member of the squad and you're buying ramen and you have this kind of like lecture on where ramen came from and, and the history of it <laughs> and then out of nowhere with like no warning uh-huh. you think the cutscene is going to end and then it puts you into a rhythm based mini game where you're pressing buttons that are corresponding with the buttons that appear on the screen while your character enthusiastically eats this ramen as fast as they can. And yeah. it's like they're pouring more bowls out. They're making it more challenging. And I'm just thinking like, you've got five levels and you've dedicated all this time to this. What is going on? <laughs> There's another one later on, which I, is one of my favorite moments of the year. Okay. Where, again, a, a pro pro nothing, you go to this karaoke bar and your character and another character start singing uh, 99 Luft Balloons, <laughs> and again, it becomes this kind of rhythm game where uh, you're matching the beat to the the prompts that are coming on screen, but the, the, the you know, when you, in like the guitar here, obviously, you, yes. you strum along, and then the guitar makes the sound, and it's pleasant. Here, when you hit the buttons, you get this like abrasive clap <laughs> that just sort of overtakes the whole scene anyway uh-huh. and like muffles the music and muffles just the breaks lyrics. Breaks the timing of it. Kind of breaks the timing of everything. And yet it's such an endearing performance of it. I think you can even like hear the, I don't know whether it's the characters or the actors, but like they're laughing while they perform the song. <laughs> and it's so ramshackle and so strange that again, I couldn't help but love it and think, I just just think like, what is going on here? This is great as like a museum piece of like how low can we go, but like still find some redeeming qualities in it. Yeah. Cause I just, I just, I didn't find anything at all other than just the idea of it the idea of it being charming, the idea yeah. of it being a deadly prem. And I like the idea of holding, like I said, put it, you put it behind museum glass and go, this is what, this is the bad, this is where we went <laughs> at some point in human history. Um, and that in itself is quite fascinating. But I think what when the rubber hits the road or whatever is when you start putting a price on it because we were lucky enough to get the free codes. I would personally never in a million years say someone should pay money for this. Maybe right. two pounds or something. <gasps> like it's the minimum. I like, I mean, I can't recommend it at all. I'm just, I'm fully against it. But that's that's me. I think you'll, you'll be like different to that. But yeah. I'm, I'm just saying that from my, from my point of view, nothing we're talking about, I wouldn't say you should spend money on this. Oh, I think you should definitely check it out and see if it's kind of your cup of tea. Mm. Like just look at videos of it to begin with or check out a review or listen to this podcast. Mm-hmm. And I think it's only 24 four pounds at the moment, which is too expensive for it. But if it ever hits a sale and you kind of, you you like this kind of artifact, I would describe it more <laughs> as an artifact than it is a game and kind it's of like uh, want to know what all the fuss is about, yeah. then I would definitely encourage jumping in. You know, people jumped into Deadly Prem. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, but Deadly Prem was like, I would argue is well written. Like it's written well, it's very charming. Like all the characters are very differentiable. Like it has like enjoyable, it has a really enjoyable rollout of its key murder mystery stuff. And there's yeah. a, the gameplay works way better than it does here. Like the gameplay, the shooting is clunky, but at least it works. Really? Oh, dude. Oh, man, if you're comparing like combat styles in yeah. the two games, I don't know how Deadly Prem comes out on At top. least I can aim and shoot in Deadly Prem. You can aim and shoot in this? I don't know if you can. I got plenty of trophies for getting headshots, so, so I must have been doing something <sighs> You right. and what was it, 40% 
percent of people who got through that first yeah. level? Yeah. No, me and the majority are saying no. The, the thing with this is um, super quick. Sorry, I was going to say if this appears on Game Pass or PlayStation Plus, then you massively check it out. Absolutely, I just think it's, yeah. it's very fun as a little curio. But I yeah. think if you actually put twenty whatever pounds something like that down on it, if I'd bought this earlier in the year when it yes. was full price, I would I would have returned it. I would be incredibly annoyed that I bought it. Absolutely, I'm definitely not saying you should go out <laughs> and like yeah spend 25 pounds in it over something like Baldur's Gate 3 mm. or, you know, Spider-Man 2 if you're going to pre-order that or whatever. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass. With the amount of time we spend discussing and analyzing video games on this channel, it's always good to understand exactly how these experiences are put together. And fortunately for me, I can do just that with Masterclass. With Masterclass's streaming service, you can learn from the best to become your best, studying and growing with over 200 plus of the world's leading instructors. For me, I've been having a blast using a class on video game design by The Sims creator Will Wright to find out exactly how game mechanics are designed around player psychology as well as learning how important playtesting is to shipping the titles that you and I both love. But it hasn't stopped there, as I've also been brushing up on my practical filmmaking skills directly from my favourite movie director Martin Scorsese, as well as trying to get back in the cooking game with Roy Choi's amazing course on intuitive cooking. Seriously, my kitchen is a mess, but my belly has never been more grateful. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to courses on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even via audio-only modes. Even better, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and 88% of members feel that the service has made a positive impact on their lives. 
And to put the cherry on top of that cake, right now, What Culture Gaming listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com forward slash gaming. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash gaming. What's that? You want it one more time? Well, that's the URL masterclass.com forward slash gaming. Right, now I'm going to watch Tony Hawk try to teach me how to ollie properly. I'll see you all soon. But as a as a as a piece of fascinating art, right? I think it's well worth um, investigating at the very least. You know, yeah. I felt like a little bit vindicated because I was looking online at the game's reception after the fact, and you know, I was seeing like um, videos by Jacob Geller who did a great one and why it's like the weirdest game of the year, and, like <laughs> pointing out its most endearing parts. And I was mm-hmm. looking at some reviews where people were saying, "Yeah, it's not a very good." game but it has something to it It has like a little bit of magic in fact i saw i would obviously i would totally agree with that it definitely has that that idea of a bunch of creatives did something it's just nothing nothing about the execution actually feels endearing or anything it's more about the intent versus the execution yes yeah well ah, i think the intent is there like Mm. i don't think the the intent is definitely there yeah I don't know. It's a funny one. I think I, I read a, a Polygon review that I sent to you that I really mm-hmm. liked, and the writer said, um, quote, I can't recommend you play this video game, but I won't <laughs> encourage you to look away. And so here I am at the end, and all I really know for certain is this. Thank goodness I didn't have to assign a score. And I'm yeah. the same with it, because I couldn't assign a score to this game, because it objectively does so much wrong but I had so much fun, more so than a lot of the corporate-mandated video games we've had over the past few years where it's like, it really does feel like artificial fun. Yeah, and I'll, I'll always take this over an Anthem or a Suicide Squad or whatever. Um, it's just the, the the brass tacks reality of controlling it just felt so horrible, that, to me anyway. Yeah, that's, that's the thing I'd be interested in then, hearing other people's opinions of, because I got sucked into the combat so much, mm. and I don't know why. I don't know whether I, don't I know am. why. Because no one, even in, the, even in the videos that I was watching after the fact, like no one was really praising the combat. <laughs> they were saying that was the worst part of it. Yep. And it is, but uh, I still had a lot of fun with it, and I don't know if that's because I'm sick in the brain. I don't know whether that's <laughs> because it's free hit August, and I've just got time for this stuff. There is that. Who knows? I'll tell you what, though. I think we're kind of like we're starved of um, third-person melee shooter combo stuff. Yeah. Like, as a genre we haven't really got like there's nothing really doing this at all right now and there hasn't been um, since Gears really I feel like Gears had such of a monopoly on the whole cover shooter genre that most of the competitions got out the way in fact to the point where I can't even think of anything that's come out recently that has cover shooting mechanics no like you got Uncharted and stuff but it's they're not the, the genre's not built that way it's not a, a forward moving thing um, whereas this came in, and my one of my favorite genres is the third-person cover shooter with the melee finisher. Right. It's one of my favorite things in the world. I even could could make excuses at the time about the Order 1886, because you could do cool finishes if you ran up to the last enemy in an arena or whatever. I should have loved this, which is why I'm quadruply pissed that I yeah. don't. It's uh, it, it's funny you mentioned the cover shooter thing because I was so over cover shooters mm. when they started disappearing and I'm still over them now. It's Same. just not the way I like to play shooting games. So when the first tutorial for this title, you know, tells you how to get into cover and tells you how to peek, I get kind of thought... Co- getting into cover feels horrible as well. Yeah, but you don't have to do it. Uh, when, you, when the game goes on, you don't have to do it. It's more about, like, you're just kind of flowing onwards between you the melee and, and melee. Like, oh. and the melee's... Ah, the melee 
it's good. It's a cover shield where it. you don't need to take cover, and then you do the melee, but then you're getting shot because you're supposed to be in cover. Well, it's the, well, yeah, but you don't really get. Nah, it's fine. It's, don't, don't, I don't think it's fine. Don't don't fret it, man. Don't fret it. It's not really a cover shoot. If you play it as a cover shooter, you're gonna have a bad time. I did. That's why. This is why it hurts. There you go. This is why I'm like, what do you want me to do, game? Yeah. You want me to be in cover and run forward with the melee, but you're gonna shoot me regardless. This is why it makes a bad first impression because oh, you're like, God. what am I supposed to be doing? Am yep. I supposed to be shooting? Am I supposed to be going <laughs> full melee? Did they play test this with anyone ever? No, definitely not. No. But that's why it's so genius. Oh. That's why it's so belo- beloved to me. Yes, yeah, it's a Devil May Cry 2 of the modern era. It is. It really is. And yeah. we don't get enough of those. And maybe Good. it's just a flash in the pan. <laughs> maybe I won't be saying this about Wanted Dead in a year's time. Maybe it is It is just a bit of August brain sickness. I tell you what, though. The, the great unifier is video games that we want to talk about. Because yes. I, I mean... I, I can't even think of a way to phrase this, but something like a God of War Ragnarok comes along, Horizon Forbidden West comes along, and yes, we did an hour-long spoiler cast on God of War, but the more shinier and pristine and packaged some stuff is, the more it's easy to get through it and go, cool, that was that was good enough, yeah. see you later. Yeah. As opposed to something like this that can be a fascinating, like you said, like garbage fire, that it's like, well, why exactly is it on fire? What does it smell like? Precisely that, Scott, because you know we, we do this three times a week, we do lists, we do news, we do we talk about video games all the time. We're very sick in the head. <laughs> yeah, we are. <laughs> Sometimes you get a game and it's kind of it's hard to muster any enthusiasm for mm. it at all. It's it's similar to games that you've played millions of times before. They're trading in the same conventions, tropes, game types, and it just does not leave a mark. Like you said, you know, I would say Ragnarok definitely did for me, but I can definitely yeah. see your point. Just of not as much as 2018's for me. Those super safe sequels where it's just more of the same and you don't really have anything to say that you didn't say already. Mm-hmm. With Wanted Dead, Dead, I hated a lot of it. I thought so much was badly done. But I can't stop thinking about it, and I can't stop talking about it. And I, like I said, I was looking forward all weekend to talking about it on this podcast. And I I'll just, probably beg you to do an editorial on it. I was well. going to say you should do um, why you should play the worst game of twenty twenty three. Well, this is the thing. I kind of I feel like I'll probably hopefully find my own spin on it. But that Jacob Geller one was really good. Mm. I'd recommend people go watch that. And there were a few others online mm-hmm. just explaining its weirdness and. Um, talking about stuff I didn't even, didn't even pick up on, like there's so much extra content in the game that you can okay. find just lying around in regards to the story that I didn't get at all. So it was fascinating going through those videos for that. And if you will permit me yes. one thing to actually genuinely praise about How the game. How have we talked for half an hour? Carry on. That is crazy. I'm yeah. so sorry for that. <laughs> one genuinely good thing it does and why I keep oscillating between thinking it's outright bad and unforgivable and kind of a flawed gem in a way. Sure. It has these anime cutscenes, right? It does. That, that arrive here and there to kind of tell the backstory of your character. And in other games, I'm not necessarily a huge fan of anime-style cutscenes. No. You know me. I, I haven't even seen much anime. No. But I thought... Demon Slayer con- didn't, didn't want it. Don't know what doesn't that is. Want it. Never heard of it. No. But um, the way these cutscenes were created, I thought was genuinely so good. Yeah. And full of so much passion and, and expertise <laughs> that I thought, how is this amazing part of the game yeah how have you not focused on this more because i only got i'm sure there's more that i didn't find i know Mm. there is a trophy that i didn't get for finding all of these pieces but i only got like four of them in the whole game right and i wanted more because they were the by far the best constructed parts of it where Mm. i felt like you had a vision and you were executing on it in a way and maybe i would disagree if i saw more of them but from the four (laughs) that i saw i thought wow you've got you're onto something here I, uh, it's just that thing where, like you said, it shoots. For, it doesn't shoot for that much, but it, the things that it shoots for should then result in a really good holistic package. Like yeah. the idea of a, the anime stylings going into really stylish John Wick style combat with these really cool finishes, backed by quite quirky, self-aware dialogue and really fun cutscenes and ramen minigames. It should be great. 
It just isn't. I don't know why. I say I don't think it should be great. You talk, you put all <laughs> of those things into a blender, and I don't think you get inherently. Didn't you great just? Stuff. Did you describe it as the? Um, it's like what's that thing in Friends, like the the uh, mince meat yeah. parfait or whatever it the is. The thing that Rachel actually makes, where it's like yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. Like, it's like it's like a mince souffle. Yeah. And you know when Joey's eating, it and he's yeah, like yeah. mince good, <laughs> cream good. <laughs> That's you, like shooting good, yeah. having mini games good. <laughs> literally, literally. I'm fine. That's it. I'll stop talking about this now. But it was. Uh, I guarantee we talked about wanted dead more than anyone else this year like mm, in, in a right solid there. chunk could like in right. terms of an actual conversation about this game and i'm really interested to see if anyone has already checked it out or is planning on checking it out or whatever because i feel like again i feel like i'm i've, I've been locked away you know what i mean someone's thrown away the key and i've just gone stark raving mad do you know what you need to do next uh you need to play the quiet man no yeah yeah yeah, yeah. If, if you've got some part of your cerebellum can react to these things, I think you need to, you're like the the the, the corpse whisperer. I know. And you need to go in there and, and, t- and then come back on here and tell me why it's actually worth playing. I don't think the quiet man would let me chop a guy's arm off and then like uh, explode him though. You can yeah, punch yeah. people across the alleyway. That's not bad, I suppose. I like that they patch the sound in. I like that they released <laughs> yeah. a mute game because it reflects the fact that your dude can't hear anything. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. Um, yeah, I feel like every sort of few years there's something like this, like the quiet man or deadly prem, deadly prem 2, um, and then now wanted dead. It's it's just like I don't know, but mine's always just can I feel the charm in any sense when I get logged in? When right. I get when I get booted up to that game, I just could not with Wanted Dead. But every time you describe it, I end up reinstalling it and trying <laughs> it again. So I just I'm gonna try it again and do it again tonight. That's the kill up. If you play an hour of this, if you get through the first mission and you get to the police station and you don't like anything that you've seen, mm. turn it off. You're not gonna like anything <laughs> else. It's not gonna convince you. But if you play the first hour in your kind of weirdly entranced by the opening cutscene, which right. sets out all of this lore that barely ever comes up again. No. And you think the art style is interesting or you like the combat or you like talking to the NPCs and mm-hmm. how weird they are and how stilted the voice acting is. If any part of you attaches to any part of that, I think it's worth pursuing to see just how weird it gets. I, I'm too curious. I am very curious. It's one of those things where I can I love a good 5 slash 6 out of 10 game every now and then. I, I'm just trying to think of random one-off things that didn't review well that I just put way too much time into. Did you play the Mission Impossible as a dead... No, it wasn't Dead Reckoning. That's the new movie. That's the new movie. Dark something. There was an Xbox, original Xbox Mission Impossible game. I did not. That was just a rip-off of Splinter Cell, except that you could run up to enemies and do a high-flying kick in mm. slow motion that young me thought was incredible. And I was like, well, why wouldn't I take out every other guard with this? Yeah. And I spent way too much time getting through every single bit of that that game, even though in the reviews it was slated for just being a bad splinter cell. Yeah. But it's one of those where sometimes you can find the charm, you can have fun with what they're trying to put out there. Um, but yeah, we should talk about some other stuff, but not that long because we've already done half an hour. How are we doing 36 minutes of Wanted Dead? That's bloody crazy. Yeah, we did a bit about Starfield. We did a little bit. Let me tell you about Final Fantasy 1. Please tell me. 1987. You're the t-shirt now. I know, I loved it so much. I think Final Fantasy 1 is one of my favorite Final Fantasies. I'm kind of just, I'm, I've, got, I've got the Final Fantasy sickness. I even watched Final Fantasy Spirits Within the other day. Because I just can't get that. it's pretty good. Like yeah. that game, that movie, sorry, was hated back in the day. And I remember being part of like me and my year group in school and everyone going like, ah, oh, it's not Final Fantasy, it sucks. And um, it's written and directed by Hironobu Sakaguchi. It's literally made by this Final Fantasy creator. Um, thematically, it's all about environmentalism. It's all about a living planet and protecting it. It's very much Final Fantasy VII, especially towards the end. Um, I got. I really like Spirits Within. It gets completely nuts towards the end, but all the Final Fantasies do. Yeah, like you're always fighting some embodiment of division with an evil face or whatever. It's fine. I'll kill it, and we'll. The humanity's better off. 
that stuff's all fine. But yeah, I've gone from Final Fantasy 6 to 16 to 4 to 1 to 12 to 5. Wow. <laughs> And now I've, I've done all of them. I didn't finish 12 because I, I just I put my all into that, but I just cannot get away with that game's lack of story and its wooden characters. But 5 I'm loving. I started that last night. Final Fantasy 1, though, um, 1987's Final Fantasy 1, surprisingly incredible. And yeah. obviously I'm referring to the Pixel remaster. I can't vouch for the original um, Famicom version or whatever it was. And they have um, you know upgraded a lot of stuff. But I think it's just worth shouting out. If you want to just taste like you know gaming history, um, for the most part, it's all intact. Like The things that they've um, changed are mostly visual. But the design is just so cool. And it's bolstered by the fact that it's so old. Yeah. But the way that they guide you around this open world and they lock you off where it's like, you can go on these different landmasses, but once you get a canoe, then you can go between different rivers and then go this way. And then you get um, like an actual ship and you can leave the island altogether and go around the world, which means you just go off the left bit of the map and come onto the right side. Ambitious though. Ambitious as hell. And you get access to all these different things and you get an airship and you can go even further. And I was like, all this for like the late 80s, like no one else was doing this. Right. Like, and it's just the music's so cool. Like you can switch between in the Pixel Remaster, you can switch between the original music and the reorchestrated stuff, um, which I did quite regularly, but I stuck with the reorchestrated one because it was overseen by Nobu Yamatsu, like the original um, composer anyway. But it's just shouting out that if you want to just see where it all started, it's a great game. Like, it's really, really cool. And, like, there is a lot of reliance on grinding. Like, there are just bits where certain bosses just hit you with, like, 800 damage, yeah. and you just need to level up enough to do that. But there are boost mechanics, so if you want to just make it so you get four times the XP, I just, every now and then, when I'm going through these games, and I realize, because I've played a lot of Final Fantasies now, that it's like, oh, this is just a grind bit. And obviously, back in the day, you would just grind for hours mm. with a podcast on or an album. Now, I just put the boost thing on times four. You do a quarter of the overall fights you would have done, and then you go fight the boss again. So it's like, I think if you meet out the boost stuff, um, you don't get too carried away with it or whatever. You yeah. can still maintain the challenge. Um, and then some stuff towards the end of the game at like the final bosses are still super hard anyway. Would you recommend it to just Final Fantasy fans? Or is it like something that I could play and appreciate? Dude, I would, I would, I, no, I wish everyone could see it. I nice. think I think it's gorgeous. Like, I think it's so humble and it's just like the art direction is really, really gorgeous. They actually got the original um, sprite artist. I forget the dude's name. Um, back to do the pixel remaster versions of the original sprites, which is sort of nicely, um, you know, improved upon versions of those sprites from 1987 um, because they have more pixels to play with. But the visuals, like the, the amount that they've overhauled, like, um, the, and the way the systems work, like, All the magic is based on leveling, but you're buying spells from shops. There's like, there's a white mage shop and a black mage shop. So you're getting healing spells or uh, damage spells or whatever. And you just use them. It's all just itemized. So it's like, if you have three fires yeah. and you just, you replenish them when you get back to town, but you have inns, you have churches to resurrect characters. It's just, it just all really works. It's very charming. It's just, you can very much feel that this was the beginning of a new era for JRPGs. And I know the Dragon Quest is in that era too. Um, but it's just it's just so charming. It's just so much fun and delightful. And um, and it has all the hallmarks that would go on to be Final Fantasy overall. Um, but it's just super simple. Also, you pick uh, from, I think it's like nine character classes in total, maybe six. Um, you pick four at the beginning. So if you want like a team of like a couple of fighters and like a couple of thieves or a whole mage team or whatever, nice. you can do that. And I love that. It's very customizable that way. So yeah, I mean, like obviously it's a very old game now. Pixel Remaster, I think, does overhaul it um, in a very, very good way. But no, super accessible. The only bit, that I think you would, some people would hit a roadblock with is the amount of grinding that you have to do yeah. uh, for certain bosses. But I think that is massively mitigated by the boost stuff. That is good. It's good knowing that in advance yeah. that you can kind of skip that because I don't really love that mm. in any game. I don't like, I, just, <laughs> I don't have the time for grinding anymore. What this is telling me though, yes. Scott, is that you're going to have to do a definitive ranking of all of the games. It feels like something I would have to do. To best. It does. You've played all of these games now. You've obviously got this deep history with the franchise mm. that goes back decades. Loved it since you were a kid. Yep. And I'm interested to to know 
where everything falls in your ranking, I'll even tell the you ones what. I've not even heard of or played. No, that's the weird thing is that obviously I grew up, my first one was seven back in the day. And then I always love, I go back to it every few years and I always love it. I realized going through all of these in a row that JRPGs are just my favorite genre. Nice. I just, I cannot get enough of it. Usually when you bubble with this stuff and that's all you do, there's always some weird subconscious trigger that goes like, you've had enough of that. Go do something else. I somehow haven't hit that. Yeah. I just keep wanting more and I keep going from one to the next. I'm playing Octopath Traveler too as well. I didn't mention that, but I've got that alongside the other stuff. And um, it's just one of those things where I can't get enough of it. And um, yeah, ranking wise, um, it made me kind of reassess like seven and nine and the ones that those games, the uh, tropes and the sort of mechanics and the layouts and the design rules that those games were hearkening back to. And obviously mm. they were held up as big deals of their time, but a lot of those design decisions were in the old Final Fantasies anyway. And I know that older Final Fantasy fans always knew that yeah. and were always pouring up the walls to tell the rest of us. Um, but a lot of people who grew up in the 90s would have played seven and eight and nine and 10. And we didn't know, we didn't know. It's funny that because when I was playing through Final Fantasy 16 and I was talking about it like, um, evoking some of the uh, narrative of Final Fantasy VII and Final Fantasy VII Remake, and you were saying, like, yeah, but that was also in the other games. I imagine, like, you playing the other games, <laughs> and then all the Final Fantasy fans saying, yeah, but that was in the other yeah. games as well. Like, the, the, that's the thing with Spirits Within, is, like, to bring it all full circle, is, like, there's always been, and they're all, like, you know, there's always a through line of just pure environmentalist commentary on, like, preserving the, the Earth, respecting the Earth, respecting the spirit of the Earth. There's, you know, that idea of, like, uh, is there a sort of... Um, an entity kind of thing that needs to be respected and that's what the earth is and whatever. That is a through line in almost every single Final Fantasy, especially in the best ones. Um, and it's in Spirits Within as well. But I think at the time, mass audiences were like, what? What the yeah. hell are we doing? Whereas like, if you go into it, having played a lot of the older ones um, or the most traditional ones and then go into something like that, it even makes something like Spirits Within make sense. What is, um, what's Final Fantasy Advent Children? What's that? So one? Final Fantasy VII came out in 1997 or whatever in the West. And then obviously it was a huge, huge, deal so for the 10th anniversary they did I feel they, they think they called it the collection of Final Fantasy 7 um, and Square greenlit a whole bunch of things um, to expand the story so it's all set after Final Fantasy 7 yeah. so they did uh, they did Dirge of Cerberus which focuses on a character called Vincent they did Advent Children which was picking back up with all of the main party but it's set like 10 or 15 years later so it's not a movie why did I think it was a Advent Children's a movie yeah. oh it is a movie Sorry. yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but then they did they did an anime um, called After Crisis I think and uh, um, and they did a the PSP game Crisis Core yes so it was just it was just an excuse for them to go let's just do more seven stuff and for whatever reason final fantasy 7 just is the biggest one by far obviously yeah. it was the one that broke the broke through to the west and whatever but yeah did you did you see advent children no okay no, no, no. i'm not seeing <laughs> it well this is the thing right my first interaction with final fantasy proper was the seven remake you know i'd, right, I'd okay. seen stuff about it but i never interacted with any of it from a first hand mm. kind of perspective mm -hmm. i will ask you yes a few things but first please do you know, you've, you've just been singing the praises of Final Fantasy 1. I, I know you've played through Final Fantasy 4 and 6 yep. as well. Which one has impressed you the most? It sounds like 1, but it's, I know you oh, had dude. high praise for those other two as well. No, it's 4. 4 has oh. become one of my absolute favorites. Like, 6 was great and gorgeous, and I've tried that game a whole bunch over the years, and I finally got through all of it, and it's great. I love the characters. It's very, very charming and funny, like, really, really funny. Um, it's great, but 4 is just such a meticulously, like, pristine package, and 4 yeah. has one of my favorite openings. While you're playing as the villains, you play as this dude massacring people, and then um, really realize, oh, am I supposed to be doing this? I just, the orders that we were given feel pretty bad. Um, and kind of just going from there, and this dude sort of questioning whether he's worthy of redemption or not. Um, and just the characters are just so cool in 4, um, and it moves so well. 4 is paced extremely well, and it's just, yeah, 4, four is a really, really good first Final Fantasy. Nice. Um, I think 1 is as well, but like 4 doesn't have the grinding issues that 1 does. Um, and just, other than the very end of 4, where they do a stupid plot twist, where I was like, you didn't need this at all. <laughs> um, you've kind of weirdly reframed the whole story in a way that breaks everything but okay it was like 1989 or whatever it was 
Um, yeah, but four overall is great. It's just, it's one of those things where like Final Fantasy as a franchise, one was like was a proving system, and it was tweaked loads. There's a bunch of different versions of it. Whatever. Two is largely like not hated, but it's sort of viewed as like it was nowhere near as good. Mm. Three, they started playing with more uh, narrative elements, and four was when the story side of things really kicked in. It's not that the other ones don't have stories, but four is the one that people refer to those characters like Kane as like one of the favorite characters and stuff. And so four onwards is when it became like Final Fantasy, like this big thing. Yeah. Other than the original, but I think they've touched up the originals really well in the Pixel remaster. But yeah, four. If you wanted, if you wanted an old school Final Fantasy fix, there you go. Um, and it ain't six um, or one. It would be four. Four's become one of my favorites. God, man, they should uh, remake that game. Give it the combat system <laughs> of one to dead, and then maybe I'd uh, play it day one. Oh my God, play Final Fantasy Dirge of Cerberus. Is that the one, right? Yeah, that yeah. game plays like one to dead. Like Ooh. they did a third person shooter Final Fantasy. Everyone despised. It, you probably love it. You know, at lunch, I was gonna go and buy X2 Wolverine's Revenge. <laughs> Might try to track that Mark down. Hamill's Wolverine's Mark Hamill's yeah. Wolverine's Revenge. <laughs> that is that is truth, by the way. That is exactly. Oh yeah, what Mark Hamill is the yeah. Wolverine in that game. I used to love X2 Wolverine's Revenge because yeah, you, can do, you can do group finishes. You can do like a four-person finisher. This is it. In this free hit August, I thought, you know, I've ordered a lot of stuff and not played it. Admittedly, right. got the Punisher, got Fight Club, the game. But like I said, when I was establishing the rules, if I'm not feeling it at the time, it's not. <laughs> happening what i'm feeling right now is x-men 2 wolverine's, wolverine's I, revenge so i want to buy that if you the thing is dirge of cerberus is set uh, after final fantasy 7 and it go it, the story is so stupid right um i don't think it ruins anything that's in 7 it might do i don't know i don't remember but mm. i remember the stuff that they add to it being like what are you guys doing i do like i mean i'm Seven, not gonna say oh, i yeah. played the games those games might be terrible i don't love crisis core but yep. i do like that when you have a successful Final Fantasy installment, you get to have um, sometimes that kind of like wider mm. um, franchising of it, I guess, but I mean that in a nice way. You know, mm. I didn't, I, I, I'm always curious, as you know, about Final Fantasy 13, and I like the fact that that has like two of the games or whatever. People attached love to 13. It, you know? Like, it's just a small pocket of fans that, like, I think for a lot of people, it was their first one. Um, but it's always that caveat of like, oh, it takes about 20 hours to get good, <laughs> yeah. and like, whatever. Um, 13 looks gorgeous, and the opening's really, really cool. It's just that it, it does just take a time investment and all the fights of the same for hours and hours and hours and like all the stuff with the game's plot I just thought was complete nonsense like just the more they try and bring in all this alien race stuff it was just <laughs> ridiculous um, but yeah if you want to just have the, the DMC2 the wanted dead lens God. that lens very much applies to Dirge of Cerberus one of my favourite lenses to ever <laughs> be in especially when you lens. get the games for free or for cheap like mm. Devil May Cry 2 where you can get it as part of a bigger package mm-hmm. I love I, I just love those installments, man. I like talking about them sometimes more than good games because I like picking things apart. Mm-hmm. And you can really tell good game design from bad game design when you play a Wanted Dead or you play a Devil May Cry 2. And it makes, like, the good things that good games do, mm-hmm. like, you don't take it for granted anymore. You're like, no. oh, okay, this is actually, you know, you might, it might be standard, it might be tropey, but there's a reason for no, it. No, totally, like, it only reinforces when things go well. And there's always, well, always way more conversations that come out of when stuff is on fire. It just depends how many redeemable elements are within that fire. But yeah, if, if you end up playing Turgis Sabre, that would be so funny. That's like just this weird... This is a third-person shooter, but it still has like various kind of like attempts at RPG mechanics in there. Um, but, but, but primarily, by far, it's a third-person shooter. It's just that the story's complete BS. I need someone to like diagnose me because I need to know why... <laughs> When we talk about these games, the ones that I'm most interested in are, like I said, the Wanted Deads, mm. your, dirges of, your Dirge of Cerberuses, or your Final Fantasy 13s, where people have kind of said, no, this ain't good. Mm. I don't think it's just because I'm a contrarian. I don't think that's necessarily It's almost like a philanthropic it, thing where you're sort of like, well, let me just see if there's anything redeemable in here. Let me know, delve yeah. deep in. Yeah, I think that's it because, you know, 
when you when you grow up and you read a lot of reviews like I did, you know, you was your tastes were dictated by what people gave nines yeah. and tens out of tens. And I'm not saying that people are wrong like yourself to dislike Final Fantasy 13. I haven't played it, <laughs> but there have been so many games since I kind of stopped watching other reviews. Mm where, you know, critically acclaimed games I've not enjoyed and critically lambasted games I've found a lot to love in. So I kind of, I almost need to know for myself if Mm. something's getting this much of a backlash, I kind of have to go in, maybe because I'm too big-headed and go... (laughs) All right, what do I think about this, you know? No, I think it's always worth having your own thoughts on it. I mean, we've we've highlighted so your Doritos Crash Course. We've highlighted yeah. so many games that got like four, five, sixes out of tens, and they can be their own fascinating um experiences. I want to give you Final Fantasy 13. I have a physical copy of it. Yes. And I want to see if you touch it. I really want well, I really want to experience I really want to. it. I really, really do. You know, if uh, Final Fantasy 16 kind of uh, satisfied me a bit more, I might have been in the bubble with you right Game now. Give me the Emmett. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll have to see. We'll, we'll see. resume this at um, some point later in the year. Um, I had other games I was going to get to. I'll very quickly say that Venba is incredible. We'll get to that in uh, future conversations. Yes, let's talk about that in depth next week. So I might yes. have actually played it by then. Hopefully. Oh, you should. We can do a little joint thing. Um, for now, this has been The Wind-Up. I've been Scott Tilford. That's been Josh Brown. Always a pleasure, Scott Tilford. Always a pleasure to talk about Wanted Dead. And we'll catch you throughout the week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.